the modern-day mountain man today on Get the Hell Out of Your Life. It's time now to get the hell out of your life. A weekly broadcast with real people, sharing real struggles, and offering real hope. Today's show will encourage, inspire, and empower you to face life's challenges with a bold confidence and renewed hope. Now, let's join our host, Ron Myers, the promoter. Hello, my friends. So good to be with you today. I am so excited about today's show. My guest is Billy Moles, a modern-day mountain man. Billy has survived grizzly charges. Billy's experience with a moose calf delivered him from a two-year bout with depression. And the day Billy's wife gave birth to their youngest daughter, he was 3,000 miles away in the Brooks Range Mountains, and he said it was the greatest day of his life. Get ready to be encouraged by the modern-day mountain man, Billy Moles. Billy, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Ron. Thank you. So you're a modern-day mountain man. What's a modern-day mountain man? Well, that that is uh, uh, the brand name of my, my videos. Uh, you know, just my dream, how I came up with it. It was my dream as a kid to live the life of a mountain man. My grandpa was a farmer and a, and a professional trapper. Uh, after the fall harvest, he would go up into northern Wisconsin, build a log cabin, and then he would trap all winter long. And then he would come home in the springtime, sell his furs, and use that money to buy seed, start a new farming season all over again. And so his pictures and his stories really influenced me as a young kid. My time in, in nature, trapping with him and my dad, and hunting and fishing. I felt a peace there that I just didn't feel anywhere else. And, and I just wanted to live a simplistic lifestyle. And um, eventually the fur market kind of tanked. So my dream of being a professional trapper kind of died out. And then I started hunting and I really fell in love with it. And my grandpa said, Billy, if you want outdoor adventure, you need to go to Alaska. There's places up there where man's never been. And ever since then, you know, just a young kid and uh, knew that's where I wanted to go. What was your age on your first trip uh, to Alaska? I was 19. Yeah, so I went there pretty <laughs> much right out of high school and greener than grass. And I was, uh, you know, uh, I was pretty eager and uh, pretty excited. But, yeah, I was definitely humbled when I flew into Kodiak Island. That's where my first hunt ever was. I was a packer, basically a human mule. It was my job to backpack uh, camping supplies, food and tents and whatnot into the mountains and kind of help out on the hunt however I could. And, you know, we shot a bear. It was my job to pack it out. Those mountains were pretty intimidating. The wilderness, the bears, all that stuff was just very intimidating. And I just, it really squashed my ego right from the get-go, you know, realizing that, hey, this is this is the real McCoy. This is what separates the wheat from the chaff. And, you know, there was many times, and, and you know, there's still experiences where I question if I have what it takes, but that's the uh, the beauty of the wilderness is it humbles you, you know, it, uh, you know, the old adage trial by fire. And uh, that's, that's kind of kind of what it is. You're going to get into predicaments that you've never been in before and you're not sure how you're going to uh, be able to handle it. And that's where the growth is. That's where the transformation is. God will meet you where you're at. And there's been many times where um, I've called on him and I've needed him and he's always been there for me. Uh, listeners, if you just tuned in, Billy Moles, uh, modern day mountain man, uh, sharing experience. And, and Billy, one of the things I read was how uh, you at, uh, survived an attack of a grizzly. Tell us about that. Uh, well, the grizzly charged, so we weren't we weren't actually attacked. I, I don't I don't think I have an attack there anywhere. But yeah, <laughs> we were definitely charged. We were uh, had a, a young a young girl and uh, was my client, and she shot she hit the bear. Uh, didn't make a great shot on it, and I was able to get one shot into it just before it got into the brush. And 
long story short, it was, uh, um, thankfully, I had a fellow guide with me. I've got a video on this. It's a real compelling story. I had a fellow guide with me who, when we went and stalked the bear, he said, hey, I need to, um, he said, I, I said, one of us needs to take the blood trail, go first, and the other one behind the other one needs to be there to, you know, shoot the bear before it kills the guy in front. So whoever's got the blood trail, obviously, is going to have his head down. That's the most dangerous job there is because the bear is going to try to kill that guy first. Wow. Now, the guy behind him has a very important job because it's his job to kill the bear before it kills the guy in front. And uh, I was, you know, I had guided the girl, and, and I said, well, I'll go in front. And John, who was with me, is about my age, been guiding in Alaska many years. He said, no, no, he said, I'm, I'll take the blood trail. And uh, he said, you've got a wife and kids, Billy. I don't have anybody. If I die here today, nobody's really going to miss me. So he and I argued back and forth, and, um, but he just said, no, I, I, I won't have it. And uh, so he, he took the blood trail, long story short. Um, yeah, the bear ended up coming at us, and um, we shoot the bear, and eventually it just falls basically just, I don't know, five, five steps, if that, just right before us, and put one final shot into it and, and finish the bear off. But wow. it was just a real powerful story. It was uh, what I recognized that, uh, uh, what Jesus said, I think uh, chapter 15, verse 13, if I'm not mistaken, of John, there's no greater love than uh, for one to lay down his life for his friends. And that's what John was willing to do for me in that scenario. You know, he, he put himself in harm's way uh, out of love for me and my family, who he'd never even met before, you know, took on a more dangerous scenario in, in that tracking process. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, one, that one all goes to John, my, my buddy that was with me. But so- intense situation, no less. What is an average uh, size and weight of a grizzly? Um, grizzly bear, brown bear are the same animal. Um, a brown bear on the coast, they'll get, I, I have to believe that the big ones, I've never weighed one personally, but a, a huge, huge coastal brown bear can be 1,500 pounds, probably mm. a little more. Grizzly bears live more into the interior. Uh, they have shorter growing season, longer hibernation, not as good a food source, namely the brown bear have salmon. So grizzly bears have a tendency to be a lot more aggressive, but they're generally much smaller. So there's some areas in Alaska in the interior where a big, big grizzly bear is going to be 500 pounds. You know, maybe six or seven is probably max in a lot of areas for a grizzly bear. Man, it's one thing watching things on TV, but another thing to actually hear you describe it in person. Uh, boy, I bet that was a was a, a talking point around the campfire that night. No, for sure. And everybody always thinks, oh, man, I bet being charged by a grizzly bear, that's, that's like the ultimate adrenaline rush. It's actually not an adrenaline rush at all. It's actually one of the more most peaceful things that you'll ever experience. Um, you know, John and I are both coming into this, had, as I mentioned, many years of experiences, you know, of bear hunting experience. So, you know, we've, we've been in similar situations before, but in a situation like that, you're, you're never more alive. Not the, wow. the rest of the world ceases to exist. You're so focused on killing the bear before it kills you and those that, you're, that are around you and then your surroundings. So your, your senses are so heightened. They're so acute. You're listening, you know, for not just a twig to break, but like a, a blade of grass to snap or a squirrel to chirp or a, a raven to caw, any type of indication or, or any type of clue that nature will offer you you know, to, to give you a clue that that bear is coming, you know, any type mm. of shift. And it, it's, it's very, very peaceful. It's just fascinating to hear how you come alive in nature when you are in a threatening situation and you're trying to protect a young lady who is your client. And uh, wow, that's awesome. God is so good.
Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It, wow. is, it is. It is astounding, and I think that's why we, you know, we have to we have to test ourselves. It's just like a muscle. You know, mm-hmm. a weightlifter goes into a weight room and he needs resistance. He needs to, you know, in some essence, break himself down a little bit, work himself physically, and, and destroy that muscle tissue to build it back up even stronger. And and that's 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 why I go to Alaska. I've never shot a big game animal for myself, and I've been guided there for 23 years. What I love is the adventure, the experience. You know, every hunt, there's there's something unique. There's something that you learn, something that you see or experience that you go through. And that, I mean, that's the ultimate trophy. That's the ultimate takeaway from a wilderness hunting adventure is that you you can't help but go into it and come out some way a a better person. Mm. Uh, absolutely. Wow. Uh, listeners, if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Billy Moles, the modern day mountain man, sharing his experiences up in Alaska and, and great life lessons. Billy, tell us about your two year bout with depression and how uh, a moose calf uh, came to your rescue. Yeah, it was. Um, I won't bore you with all the details, but uh, I had a young girl we dated um, in high school, out of high school. And she was going to college. She was a couple of years younger than I. and. Um, you know, just me being away, that was kind of, you know, that was hard. And, you know, just, just things kind of started to fizzle out for us. And eventually we broke up. And when I was in the wilderness, I, I was fine. But when I'd come back into the real world, so to speak, in the wintertime, I'd always come back to Wisconsin. I, I wondered if I had it, if I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. My whole life, I was kind of marched to the beat of a different drummer. You know, I was kind of a lone wolf. I was always kind of doing my thing. Definitely kind of had a chip on my shoulder, I would say. I always felt that everybody else had it wrong, and I was the only one that, that had it right. You know, as you go through life, so many people are telling you, you know, go do this, go to tech school, Billy, you know, you know, go to college, go do that. And I don't know, none of that ever resonated with me. All I ever wanted to do was be in nature. Amen. And during that, time, that two-year period, I just, I couldn't help but wonder if maybe this wasn't the woman I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with. But in the back of my mind, I knew that if I quit, going to Alaska because of her that I would resent her for it the rest of my life. But that little bit of light kept getting dimmer and dimmer and I just fell into this depression and there was a period of time where I thought about ending my own life wow. every day. Sometimes minute to minute. It just nothing made sense. I had this it, it just there was the sweetness in life was gone. It was almost inner dialogue in, in my head and in my heart. You know, the Bible talks about uh, hell, um, there being weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, you know, that sounds kind of odd. You know, that language is odd, but that's kind of how I felt. It was just like like weeping, just like this inner despair and the gnashing of teeth. Just You can just imagine just grinding your teeth and clenching your fists at the same time. I was just so frustrated and I felt so lost. And it just got to be such a burden that I almost didn't want to do it anymore. I never, never held a gun in my mouth, but I thought of it. And probably more than anything else that really got me through it, or or at least kept me from doing it at that stage, was just the love of my parents, namely my mother. My mother was always very selfless. She always loved me and my siblings above all else. And I just couldn't stand the thought of her ever finding me dead or, or, you know, having her son die that way. I started seeking God at that point and I had this spring bear hunt. Felt like it was kind of a turning point in my life. I just needed to find some sort of direction. I actually drove up to Alaska my plan, moved there, you know, become a resident. And the outfitter dropped me off. I had no communication of any sort. He drops me off and he says, I'll bring you a hunter and 
Five days later, I hadn't seen anybody, and I had no idea if he died in a plane crash or whatever, but to be honest, I wasn't quite worried, or really wasn't. Um, I knew that I could hike out to the ocean and get help and survive and everything. Um, during this time, there was this cow moose and her yearling calf that would cross the river right by my camp. And I'd see them sometimes a couple, two, three times a day. There was kind of a shallow riffle there where they'd cross the river. And meanwhile, I was pacing up and down this gravel bar by my tent, and I was just praying, God, please, if, you know, I, I need something to go off of. If, if um, you know, if you're real, I need you now. So after five days, the uh, the outfitter, he comes in, and I mean, I probably prayed, I probably said a hundred prayers on this, this five-day period, probably several hundred. So the outfitter comes in after five days, and he says, uh, hey, sorry, I don't have a hundred for you, but I will have another hundred for you in two days, I promise. He brings me a six-pack of beer and a package of pork chops. So I hadn't had any fresh fresh food for, uh, um, you know, the five days that I'd been there. And uh, so I had nothing but time to kill. So I go back to my tent. And I got a little one-burner stove. And so I throw a pan on there and throw a pork chop and start frying this pork chop. And so I just crack open a beer and uh, just figure, well, you know, just might as well enjoy this time while I'm here. And I, I really was. I was finding this peace, you know. I was, I was okay with, you know, being there. There was no place else I'd rather be. And so this cow moose comes along. I hadn't even finished. Just cracked the beer, just started frying the pork chop, and this cow shows up. And so she goes across the river, and she's eating, nibbling on these willows. And she looks back as her yearling is in the river, and she just looks back at it. And right there, when that cow looked back at that yearling, just it was a light switch moment for me. And that instant, I just recognized that any day now, that cow is going to took away her yearling because she's soon going to be going in and give birth to her new calf. And nature is black and white. You know, there's, there's no emotion in nature. And so much of our modern world as humans, there's all this gray area, but you don't have that in nature. I recognize that any day now that yearling is going to be 100% on her own for the first time. She's going to be uh, trying to dodge wolverines and survive grizzly attacks, wolf attacks, all of that stuff, that yearling is going to have to figure out on its own for the rest of its life. And, and that yearling has no idea when that's going to happen. But I knew one thing, is that no matter what happened, that yearling calf would never stop trying to maximize its potential in Amen. life. It would never give up, and it would never quit. Mm. It, it was literally a light switch moment. I just realized, Billy, you can either get over this, or end it now. There's no sense in delaying this any further. And it literally was a light switch moment. Two years of depression were just gone in an instant. Mm. And that, that experience has stuck with me ever since. I, I think what it was, I mean, that God answered my prayers. He spoke to me. He met me where I was at. He spoke to me in the language that I understand just the way um, yeah. he did with Peter when he told Peter to cast your nets out into the deep. And, and Peter didn't know that it was Jesus. He said, Master, because you you said we will do it. And when they cast the net out into the into the water and he hauled up 167 fish, Peter knew. He was a professional fisherman. He knew that there's no way I'd ever catch this many fish other than this was God himself orchestrating this. Amen to you know, that. Jesus spoke to Peter in, in the language that Peter understood. And nature is the, the language that I understand. And there's, you know, dozens and dozens of experiences that I've had where there's, there's no doubt the Lord has spoken to me through nature, and that's, that's why I'm sharing my experiences. I felt the Lord was calling me into ministry several years ago. I just couldn't see myself being a pastor, you know. It just 
like, man, no way, you know? Um, but then I just recognized that, you know, there's a lot of guys like me that, you know, maybe church doesn't resonate within them so much or they have a, they get more confused while they're there. And I recognize that's, that's my ministry. There's a lot of, a lot of people out there that are called to nature and they think that it's the animal that they want. You know, it's, it's the, the bragging rights or the trophy or whatever, but it's that connection with God that they're experiencing and they maybe don't even recognize it. And that's who I feel God called me to minister to. You know, uh, that's such a a great point, Billy. Listeners on the phone is uh, the modern day mountain man, Billy Moles from Wisconsin, on his way to uh, the uh, Gulf Coast to speak at a men's uh, sportsman's banquet. Billy, I've I've just from experience have said that um, when things get all hectic in life, Sometimes we need to take a break and go out to nature. Maybe we're not hunters. Maybe we're not even campers. But just there is something about being in nature that you can really feel the connection with God. And and that's for anyone. Yeah. What, uh, is it Romans 120 or 128? You know, that uh, we can see man is without excuse. Uh, we can see the uh, uh, invisible qualities of God that, that no man, uh, man is without excuse. You just see the connectivity. And here's. Here's ultimately, I think, really, if I had to break it down into a nutshell and just say, how could you take your experiences in wild and say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You know, outside of, you know, the gospel in and of itself, which for me always seemed like a fairy tale. Well, I, I guess I'll make, maybe make this twofold, is that everything in nature, no, nothing in nature worries about itself. The, the, um, the end objective of everything in nature is to give something back. And the more that it gives back to nature, the more it will receive. And there's no selfishness in nature. And that's exactly how Jesus lived. You know, Jesus laid, as I mentioned earlier, earlier, his life down for his friends. Jesus, Jesus' whole life was, was lived just like everything in nature for the continuation of, of all life. If we love God before all things and love our neighbor as ourselves, we wouldn't be in any of these problems that we're, we're in, in our world today. Boy. And so it's, it's the obvious connectivity of everything and how everything works together in nature. And that's exactly how Jesus lived his life. And that's, that's why I started my online or YouTube ministry. It's called Trust the Guide, because Jesus is our guide. That's why he came to earth to be our, our example of how we are to live. And obviously, ultimately, to, to be the sacrifice um, you know, for the atonement of our sins through that believing in him and just, just to trust and, and trust him as our savior, that our guilt and our shame of our past and our wrongdoings, we, we don't have to let that fog us down and, and we can rid ourselves of our selfishness and our own, um, just like I was, how I was so depressed. I was no good to anybody at that point because I was so deep in my depression and that's where the devil wants me because I won't be able to do anything for anybody else. I was basically just taking up space in the world and I was never going to be able to to help anyone. And, and that's where the devil wants us chasing idols and doing worthless things and be shameful and guilt and, and sin ridden because we're, we're only living for ourselves at that point, And that's not the way God wants us to live. So well put, Billy. Billy, I know uh, I'm running low on time, but I do want to get the one part in. Uh, your wife gave birth to your youngest daughter while you were 3,000 miles away. Tell us about that. I was uh, hunting sheep and uh, my wife was going into labor. I'll, I'll kind of give you the abbreviated story here, but 
my wife was going into labor and I was calling in with a satellite phone to my sister-in-law every 20 minutes or so. And I just was, had this overwhelming angst. I just felt so despondent and my, you know, that was about 10 years ago and I'd always questioned the gospel of Jesus up to that point. You know, as a kid, I saw it in like cartoon form and it always seemed like a cartoon. And as I'm praying, the more I prayed, the more I realized that I didn't have any right to be asking God for any favors. And I knew enough to, I finally just told myself, Billy, you know, pray, say what you got to say and get it over with, because God's not going to be impressed by the number of times you pray. <laughs> and finally, I just got down on my knees and I just said, God, you've, you've blessed me beyond what I deserve in this life. And if anything bad has to happen today, because I was really guilt ridden and, and just felt a lot of shame for how I'd lived my life. And here I am crying out to God to, to help my wife and my unborn child. Cause I hadn't heard from my, my sister-in-law in like two hours at that point. And so I was worried that something very worried, something was wrong. And I just fell down to my knees and I just said, God, if anything bad has to happen today, I would rather you strike me dead right here and now than for anything to happen to my wife or my unborn child. And I meant it from the bottom of my heart. And when I said amen and I got up and I looked across the valley, they'd been there for, for a week, but there was 35 uh, dull sheep, lambs and ewes on, on one mountain. And then on the other side of the valley, there was a sow grizzly and her two cubs, and they'd been there all day, but I just kind of checked on them. And, and right after I said that prayer and I looked up and I looked at them, all of a sudden, bam, John 3.16 just comes right in my mind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I recognized right there, this, this happened just just so beyond instantaneously. I mean, it was just flooded. The Holy Spirit, I didn't, you know, the Holy Spirit just hit me big time. And I recognized that there, every animal in nature would fight to the death to protect its offspring. And I recognized that there was nothing more that God could do for us to show his love for mankind than to send his son to earth to die for the forgiveness of our sins. And right then I just realized that the gospel of Jesus Christ was no fairy tale. It, it, it became real for me and I knew it. And right then I remember from our going to church as a kid, um, Philippians 4, 7, I believe, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, would guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that was the only way that I could explain how I felt. Because I was feeling this peace beyond understanding. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. Um, I'd always wondered what the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost was. It was always really weird to me, but I knew I was just gripped by it. And that peace was so powerful. And the Bible talks about how uh, a man cannot get into heaven unless he is born again. And um, when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, and there again, that's the only way that I could describe how I felt is that I knew in that moment I was born again, that I was literally, it was like a film was wiped away from my eyes as I was looking up at those mountains. And I just realized that I will never be the same again. And I, the world is a completely different place. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but it, it just came to me. I mean, God speaking to me, there was no doubt about it. Amen. And what he told me was, tell others. Tell others. Tell others. Well, you just you just told a boatload of people on, on radio plus podcast all over the world. Billy, tell us a little bit more about the online the online videos of Trust the Guide. Uh, campfire chats. It's on YouTube. It's called Trust the Guide. Trust and, uh, the Guide. Find, yep, Trust the Guide. 
Um, so that's the guide is Jesus. Obviously, I'm kind of playing on words there as a, as a guide. You know, there's so much uh, uh, relation that I find as I'm trying to guide these hunters and lead them into the wilderness. Well, Jesus is trying to lead us through into a lot of similar situations as to what I've gone through, uh, um, you know, anybody goes through in the wilderness. And so if you go on YouTube, look, type up Modern Day Mountain Man or Trusted Guide, you'll, you'll find it. And one last thing, Billy, before we go, the name of the show is Get the Hell Out of Your Life. Billy, with all your knowledge, wisdom, and experience, how do I get the hell out of my life? Well, good question. I would say live, live for others. And I say that because that's something that I, I'm working on. You know, get, try to get the rid the selfishness out of, out of your life. And, and I, if we quit worrying about ourselves, what I find, the more that the less that I worry about myself, the happier that I am. I had a guy come up to me one of the first times that I shared my faith and I, my presentation just kind of stunk because I was so nervous. And, and this guy comes up to me and he's got tears in his eyes. And I thought, oh, man, the presentation couldn't have been that bad. You know, <laughs> he comes up to me and he just said, Billy, he's like, I, I just got to tell you, I just want to shake your hand. I'm going through a really hard time in my life right now. And I can't tell you what your, your testimony meant to me. Wow. And it was like God hit me in the chest with a sledgehammer. That was better than any 70-inch moose or 40-inch ram. I just recognized that at that moment, that's why God called me to nature since I was a young kid, is because that was my gift. That was my purpose, is, is to go out and experience nature not so that I can have trophies on my wall, but so that I can share my experiences with other people. The Modern Day Mountain Man listeners, uh, you want to check out his YouTube, Trust the Guide. Billy, God bless you. Thank you for sharing with the listeners today. Very, very uh, inspiring and encouraging. God bless you, brother, and keep up the good work. Awesome. Thank you, Ron. My pleasure. Blessings to you. Boy, Billy had some incredible stories. Have you ever felt like Billy did that time when he said that he felt so worthless in life that he even thought about ending his life? I know I did back to the age of 11. And that was the day God visited me and said, don't hurt yourself. I've got a plan for you. Friends, God's got a plan for you, for me, for Billy, for everyone. All we need to do is surrender our fear surrender our doubts, and surrender our life to Jesus so we can discover our assignment while here on earth. You know, God isn't finished with you. You have an incredible destiny in front of you. In fact, I really want to encourage you to pick up a copy of my book, The Promoter. The number one thing I am hearing from a lot of people that have read the book Ron, I am so encouraged and inspired to live the life that God created me to live. Thank you for writing this book. It is also a great gift for someone that you know that might be just wandering through life, searching for answers. The book is The Promoter, available on my website, thepromoter.org, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Well, friends... Until next time, this is Ron Myers encouraging you to have a great week. Go outside, laugh a little bit, laugh a lot actually, enjoy the sunshine, and remember God loves you, God has a plan for you, and it's up to you to discover your destiny by getting the hell out of your life. Today's show was produced by Ron Myers Ministries, a listener-supported ministry. For a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website, thepromoter.org. And would you prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we may continue to share stories of God's amazing grace with the world? 
And join us next week for another broadcast of Get the Hell Out of Your Life. Real people sharing real struggles and offering real hope.